0: Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Hashtag Clocked In with me, your host, Jordan Edwards. I'm thrilled to have you tune in as we dive into the dynamic world of productivity, success, and stories of incredible individuals who've mastered the art of getting things done. Whether you're commuting, Hitting the gym or just relaxing at home, this podcast is the go-to source for inspiration and actionable tips to level up your productivity game. I'm on a mission to unravel the secrets of those who seem to effortlessly manage their time and achieve their goals. So if you're ready to clock in and unlock your full potential, you're in the right place. We've got a lineup of amazing guests, industry experts, and thought leaders who will share their insights and strategies to help us crush your to-do list and make the most out of every moment. Get ready to get inspired, motivated, and equipped with the tools you need to supercharge your productivity. This is Hashtag Clocked In with Jordan Edwards. Let's dive in. Hey, what's going on, guys? we got a special guest today. We have Simon Leslie. He's the founder and chief executive of Inc., a global travel media company. At the onset of the pandemic, Simon's business plummeted from projections of earning $150 million to nothing almost overnight he has been able to work his company back to the top and is an incredible story of grit creativity and resilience as a mentor and a serial entrepreneur to many young entrepreneurs he also coaches worn out business leaders on how to live a life of their dreams over the last 30 years he's dedicated his skill of creating amazing media in the travel space he's a world record holder for the amount of in-flight magazines He launches and published With over 250 million copies of magazines published in the last 30 years, he knows a thing or two about crafting travel media. His clients include major airlines, airports, travel groups. In 2018, he helped build Reach TV into the biggest airport TV network in the world. Simon, how are we doing today?
1: Well, that makes me sound rather... Good. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, I'm, with an I'm intro like good. that. <laughs> I'm doing good. Awesome. Awesome. So, Simon, where does your story start? How, how does one get to this point? Where does it all start? It, you know, what's, I always say to
1: people, my, my story was a bit like a pan of boiling water. It was a real slow start. And then it started to bubble and bubble and bubble and now it's really really bubbling. Now now I'm going like Billy O, but you know I had a very very nice upbringing. I grew up in in Wales, um, and then when I was about eleven years old, I moved to London. I was I was a completely rubbish student. Education and me we didn't see eye to eye, and I, I don't think I was stupid, but I just didn't like being taught. I didn't I didn't like that that education process so as soon as I could leave school at 17 I was out and I got the first job I could find in the newspaper which was earn money ask me how <laughs> I went along and I got the job and I thought I was super talented because every other job I'd gone for had been rejected um then I realized they gave everybody the job so I wasn't special but it was it was a real it was a real education and I was selling insurance door-to-door that was my very first job and uh I excelled at it, and I kept getting promoted, and I kept getting given bigger teams. And I seemed—I guess the 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 messages were coming in early. I was good at finding talent, nurturing talent, developing talent, and helping people achieve things that they didn't think they were quite capable of. And that's what I do today. So nothing's really changed in thirty-five years, other than you know the companies I work with and the people I work
0: with. That's incredible. So when you were going through this transition of was college ever a thought or it was just, we're getting right into the workforce. Cause we don't.
1: I did. A, I did. I think I did a couple of weeks at college, but uh, <laughs> the, the teachers there seemed to find me uh, distasteful. <laughs> you know, you know what, what, what really bugs me? And it's still a real bugbear. I mean, I have four boys. And not one of them is gonna to go to university. And not because I've not encouraged them or pushed them away from it, they've decided they wanted to, to to craft their own path. And I think you know the education system hasn't changed for 50, 60 years. They're still teaching the same way they did in the, the late 90s. And I don't think and I don't think kids are coming out clever enough or bright enough. And then you've got that big gap of people who are going to really good universities coming out with incredible educations and coming out spoiled and entitled. And, you know, I just think that we need, we need some more hungry individuals. Um, You know, rebel kids don't become teachers. Rebel kids become entrepreneurs. And then what happens is that they start teaching people. So in in a funny sort of way, rebel kids do become um, teachers, but they don't, they teach people, the way that they that they enjoy to be learned. or they create an environment. That's what I've always done. That's what I built at Inc. Was I wanted to create an environment where I wanted to come to work, where I enjoy work. If anybody looks at my LinkedIn or my Instagram, they can see our new office, and we've just turned it into like a Soho house where people. We've got sofas, and coffee machines, and all this bars and everything there. You know, we want we want people to be comfortable at work. You know, some some of the employees have said. They'd rather sleep at the office than go to their flats or their apartments. But, you know, I want want to create an environment. And pre-pandemic, we did that. We really did create an amazing office with amazing cultures, travelling all over the world, you know, every corner of the globe. On March 20th, 2020, we're due to fly to Lapland with 15 of my top people to go and have a conference. And, And unfortunately, COVID killed that off. So we, 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 we just have fun. You know, we, we work really hard. I do make people work really hard because I believe in hard work is part of the mission, but also we play even harder.
0: Yeah, and that, that's one of the keys. So you end up doing excelling in insurance. What made you take that leap to start Inc?
1: I, I really wanted to be a real estate agent i think that tends <laughs> to be on the cv of most people um and because i couldn't get a job my first job applications had always been to be a real estate agent and they kept turning me down so what you do when you make some money you buy your own one and that's what i did and it coincided with the greatest recession or the greatest property crash in the 80s but <laughs> I, survived, I survived for about a year which was about a year longer than anybody gave me credit for and then that that uh that 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 business failed but not before I'd, I'd acquired some great property and and had some had some great fun and then my friend who i met on my very first day selling insurance came back he 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 was knocking on the door one day and he uh, he got he got picked by a model agent who said, "Young boy, you're you're very good looking." and he became the face of Tango and KP peanuts, and he went off around the world. They paid him lots of money and he managed to blow it. And he came back just as my agency was collapsing, and he said, "I've got a great idea, si. let's uh, let's start this advertising business." And that's what we did. we we built this advertising business from selling um, little maps. So sort of these, these maps to where you live with all your suppliers, so your plumber, your doctor, your dentist, with their adverts all day round. So that's how we started. From that, we said, let's, let's start a magazine. And again, this was, again, deep in recession in the early 90s. Yeah. What do we know about magazines? Absolutely nothing. Let's start one anyway. Let's create a magazine for all the posh areas of London. So that's what we did. That's how I first got into publishing. Roll forward ten years. Uh, Paul came in one day. He said, um, "Sire, I've fallen in love with this girl, and I'm going to move to Australia. The business is yours." And I went, "Oh, thanks." <laughs> and, um, and at that point, I I, I met Michael Keating, who was my partner today, and we've been partners for twenty seven years. And together, we built ink into uh, into the into the powerhouse business that it is today.
0: So wow, that transfer is very interesting. Usually, you don't hear partnerships just go that way. That's incredible. Great. And, and what do you see in uh What you see in your your other partner that you brought in?
1: In the new one or the old one?
0: The new one that you wanted that you felt the need to bring in a partner.
1: Um, he no, he came. He he it's really funny you know in the early days he'd he'd come in and he'd talk about this amazing business he he would wax lyrically about what amazing business we are we do this we do that and i'm like why we don't do any of those things he goes, no it doesn't matter just say it anyway and, and guess what they all started to come true and now today i'm the one that waxes lyrically about what we do and he just goes we don't do that i said doesn't matter it'll come true and most of them did over the years and uh you know, we've just been we've been a formidable force. He's uh, he's very much. We, it's very important with a partner that he does his thing, you do your thing. I've always been the commercial and the the. I guess the where I best describe it is, I make the money and he spends it.
0: <laughs> you do the sales, yeah. You keep them. You you bring it in, and that's what feeds everything. So you're on this trajectory. You guys are doing exceptional. Um, What was different between, like, 08, 09 recession and then what was going on in COVID?
1: If you want to add 9-11 and 2012, add 2012, add a mixture of digital transformation in 2015, package them all together, and COVID was 10 times worse than all of those. Really? So... Through, through even after 9-11, you know the the planes were grounded for a couple of days and then everything started flying again 2007 2008 there was never a plane out the sky it was you know people you know whoever had a job didn't really get affected by what was going on you know they they carried on spending money and even when countries were going bust in 2012 people just kept going on their holidays so the travel, the travel was never impacted why COVID was so bad? It was airports were shut, planes were switched off, countries were locked down, and we couldn't go anywhere. So our whole business ethos, which we've been, you know, waxing lyrically about for the last twenty years, that it was it was um, recession proof, suddenly got kicked really firmly in the uh, in the nuts.
0: Wow! And when this was all going on. It sounds like you guys were you guys prepared at all? Like did you guys have an idea that this was coming, or it just—I mean, should have done. what
1: <laughs> we should have done because we have offices in Asia, uh, and they kept telling us about this this virus that was going on. But you know, we've had we've had bird flu before, we've had SARS. <laughs> they never they never really had an effect on us, so we just assumed that you know it'll be gone. And then I started asking so-called intelligent people what they thought. And they said, ah, the West can withstand this. This is not. You know, this will be. This will come and go. It'll be. It'll be nothing. How wrong everybody was. Um, and and, and I, you know, someone asked me the other day what would I do if it happened again, and I think I'd re- I'd act a little bit quicker. I tried to keep everybody as whole. Uh, and keep the business as whole and keep as many people together as I could because I thought it'd be 12 weeks and we'd be out of it and we'd be back in business.
0: Wow. So, what was the, the timeline from it happening? Like March 20, 2020 happens. I, everything before that was fine. Like you were hearing whispers. Then, then basically everything starts shutting down as we all saw. At this time, what are you thinking where to use your head go and then we'll like go forward to see how you overcame
1: oh, we battled it uh, december 19 best month ever just january wow. 20 best month we've ever had january february 2020 we're on a roll here this is going to be a fantastic year march 9th so we've published all the march editions and now uh we started getting phone calls from airlines going um we, we need to take this magazine off the plane. People are scared to touch it. They, th- they think it's transferring COVID. And we're like, oh God, let's just hope there's only a few of these and then one by one. We had 39 magazines at this point. 39 magazines. Our nearest competitor had four. So we really wow. dominate this space. You know we had gone after it in 2005 and so said this is what this is going to be our space. In 2007, 2008, everyone said, "Look, print is dead. Don't bother with it." And here we were, sort of 14 years later, and, and it's still our strongest part of our business. And we had to we had to make some decisions. Um, you know, all that all that money that we'd spent publishing these magazines, printing these magazines, distributing these magazines, suddenly, in a heartbeat, they're gone. And, yeah. one, and one by one, each airline took it off. Some used it as an opportunity to to kill the magazine and and never never to bring it back. Um, today we have three magazines, as you know, as part of our transformation. We still have a few magazines, but uh, nowhere near as many as we had when we went in.
0: Wow, that can be uh, that's a lot to take on.
1: You know, at one point I thought, "Why, why not just chuck the towel in?" You know, end, end of March twenty twenty. You're thinking, I don't, "I don't think, not probably not that early. Probably about May time when we've been locked down for about sixty days." I'm thinking, "There's no way we're going to get this back. This is this is finished." Yeah. What I, what I did was, and and the theme of my new book, which has just come out, is is the diary of the last twenty five months. So I, I, sit, I sat there and I started to document what happened, what was going through my head, how I was feeling, how what I did to react. And I I started calling on people I knew, some people I'd never heard, I didn't know, but I'd heard of. And one by one, they all said they'd come and help me. You know, they'd come and talk to my team because I had a team of 150 salespeople all sitting wow. there, tapping their fingers, going, what are we going to do, Sai, What are we going to do? You know? What can we sell? And I had people coming to me and going, "Look, you've got a great sales team. Do you want to come and sell PPE?" And I'm like, "No, no, no, I don't want to sell PPE. I don't want to sell. I I don't want to go in. I don't want to get my head into that concept realm. I I believe it's all going to come back. It's going to come back soon. So I started bringing these speakers in, and they would talk about everything from kindness, positivity, health, well-being. Then we did negotiating, selling. what else do we have? Grit, determination, gratitude, fear—you know all the, all the emotions that we're all going through. The funny thing is, I remember one of the speakers saying to, to the team, "You know, how many of you are anxious, nervous, worried about the situation now?" And like, and everyone puts their hands up. And so, and, and about a year ago, how many of you were anxious, nervous, worried about hitting your targets? And they will put their hands up. So basically we're all just nervous and anxious and worried about something different. And next year it'll be something else. And and, that, and that, that was the real truth about the situation is, you know, we're always going to be worried, anxious, and nervous about something. It's how you deal with that is what comes out the other end. So all these speakers came in and I had 52 speakers in the end. And I, wow. wrote, I wrote that whole book and that whole diary of everything that was going on, everything that was affecting my mind, my thinking, my negotiating, And and each of them played a pivotal part, really, because whilst I thought they were coming in to help my team, what I realised was actually they were helping me because my thinking started to change. I started to see things differently. The messages started to seep in and how I would communicate with people, how I'd negotiate with people. Chris Voss was a great help to me. I was doing a very big negotiation and he came on he said, look, what are you doing? And I said, I'm doing this. He goes, no, no, don't do it that way. Do it this way. And, and it worked out brilliantly for me. So I got access, you know, a bit like you did with a podcast. You know, I got access to people that I didn't, wouldn't normally talk to on a daily basis, suddenly became good friends. Tim's story became an absolute bellwether for me, and he really helped me and coached me through this, this whole period. Mark Galston, um, Jordan Belfort came into the stint as well and uh, smashed some energy back into my head. And he said to me, look... If anyone can get out of this, you can. And uh, I thought, well, I can't let him down, and I can't let all these other people down. So I'm going to keep. I'm going to keep battling through. And, and sometimes that's all you need. You just need somebody to tell you that they that they believe in you.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think you're bringing up a very valuable point of people with different perspectives helping you, and people providing that guidance and that reassuring, no, like tone in your conversation where it's like. I can get this done. I can get this done. Cause even if you just lose your belief and you're luster in yourself for a day, a week, a year, it's not gone. It just needs to be revitalized. And I think you bring up a very valid point there by having these superstar team come in and having them impact who you're speaking with and realizing that it's really a great value exchange. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's, Super big. So I guess that covers the the my next question was gonna be how do you stay sane while the world's falling apart? But it seems like one of the ways is from outside sources. And if you wanted to add anything else, because I mean there's constant chaos going on in the world. we we just hit like in the US, it's they hit the bear market yesterday, uh, from the top of the COVID. Like there's just so many things going on. So what is one way that you stay really reassured in who you are and what you're doing?
1: Yeah, I think, I can't remember who said it to me, but it's just, you know, if you go to hell, make sure you bring a gift back with you. You know, it's like last, last month I was in Helsinki Airport and I was thinking, I'm in hell, I've finally got here. <laughs> but, but but it really is, um, It is about it's about the people you surround yourself with. And, you know, I know that's a bit of a cliche, but, I really did surround myself with some brilliant people. I, I I removed anybody who was being negative or giving me negative uh, feedback. I just said, look, I love you very much, but right now I need to believe that I can get us out of this situation. If you don't want to be part of that or you don't feel that you could contribute to that, you know, it's time for you to go somewhere else because I, I lost so much of my team because they couldn't make any money and, you know, they'd all been very uh, well remunerated all the way through, but now they didn't have a product to sell. They were all struggling and, you know, I couldn't do anything to help them. So, you know, we we had to keep saying, we, we had to keep having this sort of, it's not me, it's you conversation. And uh, and, and that was the hardest thing to, to deal with, it was just people who have been with me a decade plus who, who I had to say goodbye to. Um, yeah. Um, I guess the the thing was I kept writing. I wrote three books in the end. I mean, the new one is is the is the is a summation of it all. But uh, I wrote a fable about all all this type thing about mentoring, about coaching, about help, having people around you called white belt thinking. And I wrote poems, and uh, <laughs> I didn't I didn't think I was a poet. I didn't think I had that in me, but I was surprised that there was every day there was more and more poetry coming out and I started posting on Instagram underneath the motivational poet and people started sharing it and liking it and saying, Oh, I'm thinking, wow. Okay. And some of them, some of the biggest names on the internet started sharing my poems. And I thought, Oh, this is, maybe I'll write another one. And I I checked last week, I posted 527 poems so wow. every, every day I put an original poem up, and uh, and that really helped me because I think if you if you went and you look back through the poems, you could see some of the themes that were going through my head, some of the messages that I was putting down in pay, on paper that I was tell, that I was telling myself at the same time.
0: Did you uh, track yourself always, or is this because the reason I say this is because. A lot of people tend to track their metrics, how they're doing, all of that stuff. But one of the important things I think is like really mental health and like where we're at. And one of the ways people can track that is just by seeing how they feel each day. And like that poem is kind of your, hey, this is how I feel each day. Whether it's good, bad, anything, I put it on paper, I share it. If people like it, fine. If people don't, that's fine too. But at least it got me to feel better. (laughs) You know what I mean? We all have so many challenges and to track yourself each day, I think it's really important. Uh, is this new or you, you did this your whole life?
1: No, this was new. I mean, I, I, I found time every day to do some writing. I found time to go to the gym. I found time that there was that I was investing in me. So I was putting me on the calendar first before I put all the podcasts or the meetings or the phone calls. <laughs> I made sure that me was looked after first because the only way you, we are going to get through it as if me was in a good place mentally. And, and it's really interesting you say that because when we got to the end, I I felt really positive and, you know, I thought I'd done a good job of being like the the lighthouse and being this sort of spotlight for everybody to keep everyone else safe. And then once I could see the light at the end of the tunnel, I, my, my life fell apart. I fell apart. I was like, just imagine like a sailor bringing this ship back to shore and like is riddled with holes and you've got, I did it. And then suddenly oh. my body gave way. Then I got COVID for the first time. And so June, July, 2021, I was, I was a broken human. And and, I, and I'll tell you something interesting about that as well, is I wonder how many books have been written by people who are pretty much broken, giving good advice to somebody else how to do things, because there's a lot of that, you know, sometimes you have to go through that hell to be able to show people that, there's you know there is something at the end of it as well
0: yeah and i I think what you're bringing up and it it, is sometimes to show other people but i feel like sometimes a lot of the time we're showing ourselves like we're showing ourselves what we're able to overcome and what we can do and what's possible because yeah
1: well the first chapter in the book is no one knows how strong you are to being strong is the only option (laughs)
0: I love that. I love that. It, it's really pivotal stuff, and we don't. I feel like we don't think about it enough because, yes, I mean, there's always there. It's the employee. There's the entrepreneur. There's the salesperson. There's all these different dynamics, but it's what allows you to really step up in that time of need when you have to go. I need to take control of the situation. I'm taking ownership of this, and like. I read the book uh, by Jocko Winnick. It's Extreme Ownership. And that one really put everything in perspective that it's all on you. Like, what, your life is dictated by your decisions of the past. And it's all on you to have ownership of that and realize that you're in control of your life. No, absolutely.
1: So. I mean, you know, mental health and I, I don't really like that term because I lived next door to a mental hospital when I was growing up. And I saw what mental patients look like, and you know, so there, there's a huge gap between that, and uh, I, I like to call it emotional wellbeing. But you know, mental emotional health,
0: wellbeing. I like yeah, that.
1: Mental health has always been a big thing in our business, anyway. Before, way before COVID, I had uh, I had CBT counselors, I had prefer- performance coaches, I had all these people who were managing my sales force because you know you only perform at your best you know just like a sports team you know they have all these you know places they can go and talk and um, so I brought that in so that was a big part of our of our team was that we had people around us who we could go talk to if we didn't feel we were on it we were in, we're in the right place so it's always been something that's been really close to my heart and you know I continue to keep performance coaches and in uh, on the payroll and i'll keep doing it because i want people to get better i i've always said this this is not how good they are it's how good they can be and you know i can see in people like I, I had a couple of one-to-ones this morning with some of the younger people who's just started in the business so i can see talent in those people and that's what i want to help the bring it out they don't believe they've got talent they don't believe they can achieve what i think they can achieve so now we've just got to close that gap and help them you know see the uh, see what's potential and possible for them and i always say to them look you can borrow my confidence you can borrow my belief you can borrow my happiness you can borrow any of my qualities that you like borrow any of them until you find your own and uh, i think it's really important
0: absolutely so in that dynamic what what are you doing um how do you build that gap, and then also, what advice would you give to your younger self in this day and age, like in this time?
1: Well, to, to fill the gap, it's constant and never-ending training. You know, we we are, and I and I, you know, someone asked me about, you know, how did you get so many in-flight magazines? And I said, because I never, ever was satisfied. I'd always go back to the client way before we were coming up for tender. Most people, when they're coming up for tender, they go, okay, this is what we're going to do better. I was doing this every month, every year. I was coming back and going, how can we make this better? You know, let's let's do some focus groups. Let's do some more things. Let's challenge ourselves here to make a better addition. So when it came up for tender, nobody would ever match how good we were as a partner. So that's why we never lost the magazines. And I don't think, in all the years, if can't, I can't even remember one or two ma- more than one or two magazines, we might have lost in a, in a tender because we were that good at being a partner to our airlines. I guess the advice I'd give my younger self: I'm lucky because I get to do it every day. My um, my 22 year old son worked for me straight out of school, and he went through all my training and all my. Um, Hard, the life of hard knocks and yeah. know, put up with it for three years. I think if you can survive a year, you can be anything you want to be. And he proved he proved, uh, proved me right. And he started his own business in the middle of COVID. He was one of those people that come and said, Dad, um, yeah, I love you very much, but I want to leave and start my own business. And I went, okay, good. Let's do it. We were in Aruba on holiday, actually. And um, I said, what do you want to do? He said, I want to be an influencer and manager. I've been helping my friends, you know, they're all 20 year olds and they're all making lots of money being influencers. He goes, I want to manage influencers. He had one client and today he has a hundred clients. They're doing oh my God. hundreds of brand deals for their influences. And, and I get to talk to him and it's a bit like me talking to my 21 year old self. He's as dri- probably more driven than I am, more dynamic than I was at that age. And he's doing an unbelievable job and, you know, I'm getting to relive my youth through through him. And uh, and, and the, the best thing is he's, re- he's replicating my playbook, so the playbook that I did at ink, he's replicating it, so he's taking his staff on amazing trips. He took his whole team to, uh, to the Maldives for Christmas and then he flew them down in a private jet for, uh, for a week's vac- workation <laughs> in France. Um, so it's you know I get to I get to live that and uh, give him advice and most of the time he listens to me which is something I never really did to my dad. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: absolutely incredible. It, it's it's amazing how you were able to have um, your son be as driven as you were because usually I find that like lacks in the following generation it can be a difficult process. So. Congratulations
1: to you! Uh, you know, if people ever say to me, "What's your greatest achievement?" is bringing up four really powerful boys who I think will become great leaders and great, uh, great members of society. I think that's that's much more powerful than anything else I've ever done.
0: Yeah, incredible. So, for you. Uh, hearing about all of this, hearing about these accomplishments, I know one thing that's very near and dear to you is the airline industry. So where is that today with everything going on? I know uh, with the U.S., uh, they just passed that you don't need COVID tests. Um, And, like, are there airline workers? Like, we've had canceled flights. Like, what do you think about all that?
1: Yeah, I mean, nobody imagined that this was going to come back as quickly as it did you know they they were predicting q4 2023 i think at one point and here we are in <laughs> q2 2022 and we're already surpassing 19 and if they could get their act together we'd be smashing the numbers you know in yeah i'm in london i don't know how many flights have been cancelled all the headlines today are um all the airlines again on strike Ryanair's going on strike British Airways going on strike this summer And and, and to me, all I hear is you're going to ruin the one week that people have saved up for all this year. You know, most of them have been locked up for two and a half years, and they're desperate to go on holiday. And the headlines are are, right now are shocking. But I always say this: you know, like like anything, like any strike, they start and eventually they finish, and these things get fixed. And I do think that the industry will get their act together; they'll get it back. I took seven flights last week. One was cancelled, but only for, due to weather. Um, and it was, it was unbelievable. It was, it was great being, you know, jumping from city to city going, and I literally went halfway around the world. And, um, and it was, it was a breeze. And um, so I think, you know, there, I don't know how many flights are a day, 25,000 and maybe a thousand and get cancelled. So it, in proportion, it, you know the bad news makes a lot more of the headlines than than the fact that ninety percent of the people got there on time. But yeah. it, but but it's bad news that sells, not good news. And uh, the good news is the industry is coming back. It's coming back way faster than anyone thought it would do, and it's bloody exciting. And uh, <sighs> and I'm glad to be a part of it. And uh, you know we 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 um, we sat down last week and we said, right, what what are we, what are we what are we now? Because before we were the kings of the in-flight magazine, and now we've sort of got this amazing TV network called Reach TV, and we've got these other digital products which allow us to target travellers on the move. And, and we, we've got sponsorship at airports. We've got sponsorship in plane, We've got live sports in travel. we got, you know, we've got the NFL playing at the airports. So we came up with this tagline which said, we're the, we're the marketplace if you want to reach travellers. So if any of your audience is like, you know, I, I want to reach travellers, and I'd say, well, why would you want to reach travellers? Well, because only because they're the richest consumer, the fastest moving consumer, most opportunistic consumer, the best consumers you can find. And right now, because of everything that's going on in the industry, the price of travel is going through the roof, so they've got plenty of money. And uh, that's why you want to reach them. And, you know, anybody who wants to reach out to us and talk to us, will help them business grow again and, you know, if, if if there is any testament to helping businesses grow, just look at what we've been through and what we've managed to turn around. And that's what, that's what I want to help other people
0: do as well. It's absolutely incredible. And also, how, how do you tr- go on seven flights? <laughs> what, are you, what are you up to? You're well, just checking it on the, yeah, <laughs> run me through it. Because that is just not a common fact. Most people aren't like, yeah, I took seven flights. I thought you were going to say over the last month.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah. I started in London, went to New York, um, had a board meeting in New York. Then I flew to Arizona and then I flew from Arizona to New York, from New York to Washington. Had a quick meet in Washington. Then I flew to Paris. I went to the French Open and the Champions League final in, uh, in Paris. And then I got the Eurostar home so actually one of the flights was a train but yes you know, same concept
0: <laughs> my goodness my goodness the fast life but um,
1: that, that's that's a life i'm living now and, and i've really that was one of the one of the things that i said to myself out of covid you know i know what day i was born i've got no idea when i'm going so but in between times i'm going to make sure that every month is the best month of my life and uh, if you follow me on LinkedIn, you can see that I document what I've done each month. And uh, it's been it's been amazing 2022. And I want that for, for me. I want it for my family and I want it for everybody who works for me. So anyone who wants to have fun and go to the best sporting occasions on the planet, come work at Inc.
0: I love it. I love it. Um, so the last thing, uh, what is your wait, are you What's your what's your daily routine? how does one keep a daily routine when they travel so much
1: (laughs) it's hard to keep a diet as well that's uh, that's also been one of the challenges um i go to the gym most mornings i get up early that's the first thing i do so i try and put some exercise in and i'll I'll listen to a podcast or an interview or something something that's going to absolutely fill me with positivity before while while i'm going um and then i i come back and i and i drive to work and that's another 30 minutes so i have an audio book as on that journey as well i don't listen to the news i don't listen to the radio i don't listen to anything that's not injecting me a in positivity and then i get to the office and we'll see what magic we can make happen and depending which office i'm in you know i'll sit and i'll talk to the guys and we'll brainstorm and we'll come up with ideas and i'll fight fires and uh, whatever needs fixing the last to fix and things that only fix. And I'll sit there on my feet on the desk and, and enjoy the day and work out, you know, what adventures I want to go on next and who I want to take with me on that adventure.
0: I love that. And how do you prioritize business, but also adventures and doing sports? And cause I find that there's a lot of people who get obsessed with the work, but don't have the time where they're really enjoying. Yeah, that was me. <laughs>
1: Uh, you know, I, I remember reading my son a bedside story once when they were young, and I'm you know, reading the story in one hand of looking at my phone and responding to a text in the other. And uh, I remember him turning around to me and going, Dad, those that's not the words. Can you get off your phone, please? And, you know, I thought, this isn't right. I'm doing this. I'm not doing something right here. So, you know, I've been on this journey and I've gone through it and, you know, if, if you want to find out how I did it, come talk to me because that's, that's what I, I mastered. I mastered that over the last decade, I guess, of how you run a business, how you enjoy business, how you get great performance, but also you find time for yourself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the, one of the biggest challenges because you find these people that are working in the business for the business, but it's not their business. And it's just, it doesn't make it a fun dynamic so i'm glad there's always a little bit of fun thrown in there
1: it's so possible and uh you know this is this is one thing that uh i'm seeing you know if you if you if you actually think about what i'm saying about my son he's a 22 10 year old gen z gen y whatever that is now you know they're supposed to be lazy entitled complete opposite right so you know, we can't generalist and we can't label everybody and he's, he's having fun and he's enjoying himself, right? Because he's following a formula that I've helped him create and I helped myself create, which is that, you know, you've got to work your time, work your diary. So you're putting you in there first, you become the priority of any diary that you keep.
0: I love that. I love that. And when you find, um, you need to make a big decision or changes among you. How do you? How do you think about that? Do you reference yeah. the? Yeah,
1: I normally get out of the place I'm thinking about it. So you know, don't use the same brain that's thinking about the problem to try and solve the problem. Uh, I'll I'll go for a long walk. I'll go and sit by the seaside. You know, the, the bigger the problem, the further away I get from the office. <laughs> uh, seriously, yeah. I mean, sometimes I'll get on an aeroplane and go somewhere and just go right. I, I'm going to go and sit by the sea in the south of France because that's an hour and a half away and and just sit there with a coffee and just think about it, with a blank sheet of paper and see what I can do, see what comes out. and Or I'll go and spend time with people who are cleverer than me. I mean, that's that's the, the best place to go is find someone who's been there, done that, you know, and, and fix that problem. There's there's three questions you ask somebody if you're asking for advice. One, would you swap places with them? Yeah. If you, if you wouldn't swap places with them, for God's sake, don't ask them for advice. Have they done what you want to do? Don't ask them for advice. If they haven't done what you want to do or where you want to go. And and the third one is, you know, if their life is, is a little bit of a pickle or a mess, it's a bit like going to ask a th- in a three-time divorcee for marriage advice. You know, <laughs> It's you've got to make sure that the person that you're asking advice is definitely someone whose opinion you valid, value, and valid, and and valid, and is validated.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think that's really powerful stuff. And one other thing I would add is something I've always found interesting is in the space of mentorship and advice and coaching the same person might not be able to coach you in marriage, but they can coach you in business or someone might be able to coach you in loving your child, but might not be able to help you in business. So I think if you segment these different areas of your life and ask the right people, then it will really allow for some real acceleration. Instead of being like, I like this about them, but I don't love this. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: And, and, Always take the advice, um, what, was the, what was the words of that song? Um, always take the advice kindly with those who are dispensing it to you, but don't always, you know, don't always listen to it. <laughs> you know, parents don't always want to give you great advice, but they don't always give you great advice. You know, I, I, I think the reason that my son listens to me is because he's seen what I've been through and I've come through the other end. You know, he, he doesn't ask me for advice on lots of things uh, on other things, but, you know, he'll go to somebody else for, for that advice because I can't give him that advice that he needs. So it's about finding the right people in, who've who've got the right experience.
0: Absolutely. Be kind yeah. to dispense it. <laughs> I love that. So, Simon, where can people find you? Where, uh, I know you mentioned Instagram, LinkedIn, where else? LinkedIn is where
1: I, I make uh, my I, I diarize my, my month, so if people want to keep up with what's going on, uh, and and think and, and ink global. If you want to, if you're interested in coming to work for us in Miami, in London, in Singapore, you know, that's follow the business, see what the business is doing. We're always looking for hungry talent young hungry talent old hungry talent i don't mind you know uh-huh. anybody lots of experience no experience you know i just want to help people grow i want to help people develop i want to i want to see a um i, I want to rebuild what we built from sort of 2005 to 2020 we had the most amazing most amazing organization and i want to rebuild that again and uh we went from 300 people down to about 100, and we're slowly growing back up again. But um, I need more. I need more people, and I need more people who want to change their life and, and live a life of adventures because that's that's what's important to me.
0: I love that. And what are you looking for specifically? Just so the audience can help. Is it like sales? Is it operations? A little bit of everything.
1: Everything. I mean, I, I, I probably could do with fifty more salespeople. We've got that much inventory. We've got that much opportunity. That uh, you know, as many as salespeople want to come knock on the door, we'll listen to. But we've got operational jobs. We've got marketing jobs. We've got videographer jobs. We've got lots of jobs in in lots of uh, in lots of places because you know I want to get back up to that 150 million again, and uh, I'm not sure I'll do it this year, but I'll do it next year for sure.
0: I love it. I'll put all that in the show notes uh, for Inc. Global and your LinkedIn. Um, Thank you. This has been absolutely amazing.
1: No, thank you. It's been a great conversation.
0: Thank you for reaching the end of the podcast. For that, we'll give you a complimentary coaching session in the link below with Edwards Consulting. Hope to see you there and have a great day and keep clocking in.